Yeah. I, I thought that that was fair. Yeah. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome NFL strategy show presented by prize picks. I'm Dave Lochran, joined as always by Eric Linquist at Eric Linquist on Twitter and Matt Gajeski at Matt underscore Gajeski. I'm at Lafayette underscore D L O U G H Y underscore D. And we're happy to have everybody here with us today. It's been uh, a whirlwind past 24 hours, Matt, because not only do you have Henry Ruggs getting charged with DUI resulting in death and being cut from the Raiders. But now you also have Aaron Rodgers, right? And, and look, don't, don't come at me with like, Oh God, he's transitioning straight from something awful to Aaron Rodgers. This is the football show. You know, I'm not here to espouse my morals upon you guys. Uh, Aaron Rodgers now is out with COVID for Sunday and what would have been the highest over on the highest total game and, and probably best overall fantasy game of the week. So it's a lot to talk about today. Yeah, for sure. And this Aaron Rodgers news breaks right before our show, of course, where we're trying to talk about ownership of the yeah. slate in the highest total mm-hmm. game environment. I'm really curious to see where the total closes. Now Rogers, obviously the most important piece to that green Bay offense. And we just saw Adams. He was worth like close to three points in the betting lines last week against Arizona. So Rogers, I would imagine Chiefs get near touchdown favorites here. Going to Jordan Love is a significant downgrade. For DFS, it'll be a more interesting conversation because Love comes in just barely above the stone minimum. And what still probably projects is a decent game environment. So it's just a lot to unpack here that just came out of nowhere. It's crazy, right, Eric? I mean, you lose a quarterback. All right, whatever. Um, depending on who it is. Shit, you lose Zach Wilson and then you find you know, the best fifth round draft pick in the history of football and Mike White, and he rips off 405 yards in an outright <laughs> victory over the Bengals. Give the man some credit, right? But yeah, in all seriousness, right, Aaron Rodgers being gone from uh, Green Bay, we've seen many times in the past what that team looks like without him. Now, I don't know, Jordan Love, I know Matt's a big Jordan Love truther, but not all, not all of us are. This is one of those games that we'll dive into today at, at all levels. But uh, it 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 reshapes the way we have to look at this slate entirely because Devonte Adams was chalk. Aaron Jones was getting some ownership, uh, and Aaron Rodgers was going to have some ownership as well. Yeah, he was kind of the crown jewel of think of this slate. Uh, you get him back into the mix after taking Arizona game off. He had to sit that one out. I mean, the difference between losing Devontae Adams, fantastic skill player, but then losing a quarterback, the most important skill position on the field. I mean, it just changes the entire dynamic of that game. Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, uh, and the Kansas City Chiefs on the other side. I mean, we got to kind of factor it in for them as well, whether or not this Green Bay team is going to try to keep pace, if they're just going to try to run the ball repeatedly in some of these spots. It just becomes a little bit of a cluster, you know what, trying to figure out what to do. But I guess kind of what we're here to do this morning. Yeah, we're going to try, right? Yeah, it doesn't mean it's going to be fun. Freaking, no, it's, it's going to be difficult. And ugh. we had an ownership run. There's just no way we can update it in time right now. It's just literally not feasible. Ownership takes a while to run. And it's not just like, you know, a guy like Aaron Rodgers goes out and you just click a button and then everything changes. You still have to make some adjustments there. It takes a little while. And we got this news, what, five, ten minutes before this show started? Yeah. So... There's not much we could do, but it is actually kind of fun to speculate. There was one show, Matt, where we didn't have, I think Alex was on his honeymoon and we didn't have ownership yet. 
And it was actually fun to speculate where some of these players were going to land. It's going to be hard to do it with Green Bay and how it reshapes uh, the rest of the positions. But I think we can do a good enough job. Yeah, I think so, too. It's still going to be a high total game. You have a very cheap quarterback in play now. And there's really only one legitimate receiving threat on the team. I include Aaron Jones in this if you'd like. If you include him, I think, too. But Devontae Adams is still going to be the target alpha. There's no Tunyon anymore. So I still think the clear plays in that game are going to result in productive plays. It's just a matter of how do they compare with the rest of the options. Eric, comments in chat saying you're you're less energetic than usual. No coffee? Did you just wake up? Hey, shut up, everybody. It's 8 a.m. out here on the West Coast. How about you just settle down? Settle down. Actually, now that I think of it, Matt, he doesn't seem fine because he uh, came into today's Zoom room before the show. (laughs) First thing he said was Travis Kelsey's washed. I was kidding. God, you guys are just (laughs) seriously. I I tell you what, I I think I'm going to get on a show eventually where somebody's not making fun of me here, but it's just not going to happen. Apparently it's just you never going to happen. totally fine that you don't even see. I, I don't know. I didn't notice anything. You seem fine to me. I but. think it's the fact that I'm not doing weird things with my voice yet. Cause it's 8 AM or something. I don't know. What do you want me to do? You want me to dance? I'll dance. I would love to know weird things with the voice version of Eric. So yeah, that's awesome. Eric, are I you a even... good dancer? No. Can you oh, get a good right guitar now? player if you want to check out the uh, you want to check out the golf strategy show yesterday? I decided to play a little Mexico James Taylor intro and outro provided by Tyler Zander over there behind the virtual glass. Well done, sir. Oh yeah, you can rip. I can rip, son. I can rip uh, a little guitar. Got the little what are you playing? An acoustic? Just play an acoustic. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't gonna play uh, plug in my amp and oh, play. Hell yeah. <laughs> You should have, dude. I got a, I got a half stack Marshall in the basement. I'll bring it up one day. We can rock out. I'll throw it right behind this. <laughs> okay, now I'm excited. Don't do not tempt me, Frodo Baggins. Let's do. There's the voice change. All right, Eric. Let's dive into this one. Um, I, I we didn't even have. Usually we go over what we saw in lineup study and the winners and everything, but this Rogers and Rugs news is kind of just too big for us to dive into that. Fortunately. We have a show every single Monday that does that for you. It is the Monday Morning Quarterback Show with you and Adam Scher. I would highly suggest checking that out. It is a great show going over everything that worked and didn't work, what lineups won, how many people, you know, that were full out MME, you know, maxing entries did well, this and that. I mean, it, it's, it's super helpful. You can apply all of that stuff to the following week. Uh, so check it out. Monday, 11 o'clock Eastern every week. If you missed it, go back and check it out on the Awesome YouTube channel. But let's dive into this. And before we do, hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. Very happy to have everybody with us today. And you know this content always going to be free on YouTube, always going to be the best out there. But it certainly helps us combat those YouTube overlords with the algorithms and all of that fun stuff. When you hit the thumbs up, when you subscribe to the channel, it tells them, hey, people like this shit and we're going to recommend it to people. And if that's the case, show us a little love. And if you want to join, of course, hit that join down below. Uh, Get the custom emojis, the badges. We'll always shout you out when you join the team. Get uh, priority access to questions and you'll just look cool doing it because, well, we all got the badges, too. Matt doesn't actually. Eric, do you not have a badge either? I don't. Shameful. I don't because I'm a loser. And again, another thing you Shameful. can make fun of me for. Both I legit of you don't know how to do the badge thing. You just hit join. You just oh, hit yeah. join. Matt Kaczewski knows nothing about technology, nothing about pop culture. Yeah. He's here only for football and purely football. All right, let's rock. That's actually, fellas. that's probably true, man. 
It's just, it's 100% <laughs> true. It's 100% true. Like, Matt, how many movies have you watched in the last five years? Estimate. Oh, I, I know the answer. It's two. Stop it. Really? What? I'm pretty sure it's two, man. I what had movies? this, I did this exercise not that long ago. <sighs> what movies? Uh, one, Jordan Klein. Unfortunately, he's not producing. He, he loves to bring this up. I watched La La Land. <laughs> that was one of the two movies you've watched in the last five Holy years. Holy shit. Yeah, it was. It was. What's well, number two? I don't wait, remember. Did you at least I, watch it with your girl? Like, was it you were by yourself? Yeah, I was by myself. Okay. Well, I, I, I'm just dying to hear what the second movie was. I'm trying, I've got to think about it. I can't remember. But that is, that's a true story. Are you going to see the new Cruella DeVille movie? I don't know what that is. You don't know who Cruella DeVille is? No. Really? No. Is that an actor or actress? Oh, my dear God. Oh, my God. <laughs> what, I, what are we talking about? But, dude. dude, this guy could tell you everyone, every defensive bench player for Western Kentucky. You know, he couldn't, couldn't tell you who. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Western Kentucky is a school, right, Matt? Yeah, dude. They got a great quarterback, Bailey Zappi. He's going to be drafted. <laughs> Jesus, Houston, let's just end the show now. Houston oh Baptist God, transfer. It's, good. it's what'd you say? He's a Houston Baptist transfer. Yeah, see, this is the this is why Matt doesn't <laughs> Matt has no room, no compartment left in his brain to know anything outside of, of football. You should you guys should appreciate that though. You don't want moviegoers, right? All right. Eric, our running backs. We're getting into the weeds here. Let's talk about the chalk up top. I was kind of surprised to see that Elliot was pulling the highest projected ownership. I mean, they are huge favorites here, double digit favorites against uh, really just a paper tiger Denver team, right? Like that's what they were three and oh, then three and four. And then they finally get an easy matchup at home against Washington. We have a good idea of what this team is. And then you've got Kamara at 15.9%. I just want to start off with those two guys, specifically Kamara, because I don't hear enough people talking about that. If Taysom Hill starts this week, and, and I don't see why he wouldn't if he's active, given that he was almost the starter to begin the year, that's not good for Kamara at the goal line and kind of just not good for Kamara. It doesn't mean you can't play him against Atlanta. I could still absolutely smash, but it is technically a downgrade for him. Yeah, it's not just technically a downgrade. It's going to be less rushing attempts, you would assume. I mean, you're going to be seeing some option. You're going to be seeing a lot of the things the gadget plays that they ran when Taysom Hill was quarterback last season. I would say Taysom Hill threw the ball a little bit more than what I expected over the course of some of those games. I remember the Philly game being specifically yeah, one. They got um, blown out. They got blown out. Yeah. But it, it just was, you know, one of those spots where that's the kind of stuff that's going to happen here. I mean, Jameis Winston, they had already put him in on bubble wrap as it is. So like for me, looking at Camara, I mean, you're looking at the volume as something that's there. And obviously, he was starting to get involved in the passing game. And that's going to be the big kind of drop off, you would think. 11 targets two weeks ago last week against Tampa Bay. Only four in that win. But they were kind of, uh, you know, obviously, it was a back and forth game. And they still kind of slowed it down there in some spots. But Alvin Kamara, I mean, 8,200, he's going to be a huge talking point. I would say the one plus for him is matchup. You're looking at Atlanta and... I've just been targeting this Atlanta team constantly. Uh, their defense is no good. They are very, very bad. And so you're looking at least 
having that being something you could positively say, all right, I can play Kamara and you don't have to necessarily stack him up any kind of direction. You know, I, I felt like sometimes with James Winston, I wanted to in spots, but you know, I, James Winston wasn't very serviceable as a fantasy quarterback this season, uh, going back to his Tampa, Tampa Bay days, much more serviceable, but 8,200, it's a big tag to be paying. I expect the ownership to come down as people start, uh, you know, researching this slate and looking into it. And I can at least draw on the matchup as something where I definitely think he still has upside. Oh man. Steven Leewood says I'd rather have Matt watching an all, an all 22 than a shitty movie with Owen Wilson. Why would you bring Owen Wilson into this first? Of Dude shots fired, Matt. If you don't know who Owen Wilson is, that's okay. Uh, but, I'm Googling him right now. He's the fellow with the nose. Okay. But, I, I've seen his face before. Like if you think wedding crashers is a shitty movie, Dude, I've never seen Wedding Crashers. I'm talking you need more to, to, to Matt. To, I know Eric's seen it, and he will agree it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Phenomenal. Owen Wilson's you, stuff. as somebody who hates fall weddings, you will very much appreciate this wedding, <laughs> like or this this movie. Yeah, you will. He also had that really sad movie about the dog. All right, I'm I'm oh, getting too yeah. far into this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The dog. Yeah, no? sad. Yeah, Matt, the old you, dog. Can't remember what it was called. Matt, Jennifer Aniston you... was in it too, which is weird. yeah, and that's all. That's a must watch. <laughs> but, <laughs> seriously, it really is. Just a, she's a unbelievable Matt with Alvin Kamara. Is Mark Ingram someone that you think takes a Latavius Murray role at this point and and eats enough of of his workload? And what about Taysom Hill? I think Mark Ingram probably can slide into that role a little better than your average running back off the street, just because of his familiarity with Sean Payton. And we've seen running backs do this in the past. Like this reminds me of the Tim Hightower situation, which was a little bit different, but Tim Hightower, he like came off the street and had like the familiarity with the offense and that huge, I guess it was the latter half of whatever year it was maybe like 2016. Now I, I can't recall, but like Eric said, I think the biggest thing here is the Taysom Hill news. And Taysom Hill severely depressed the target numbers for Kamara when he was active in those four starts that Drew Brees missed last year. Kamara just had 16 targets over a four-game span, albeit one game was a 10-target performance, but the rest of them he was at three or less. Again, very small sample there, but we know what Taysom Hill does. He's more of just your pure dual threat, and he's somebody that is going to vulture goal line opportunities. You're going to see the Saints' pass rate severely depressed, and it's already been a little bit lower than when we had Drew Brees there. I don't know if it matters a ton against Atlanta, but I think this will be a factor we have to at least weigh moving forward. So, Matt, what about the rest of the guys up top? Obviously, we're waiting to see uh, the status of James Robinson. He's got Buffalo this week as two touchdown dogs, 14-point dogs. Ezekiel Elliott, Eckler traveling to the East Coast to take on uh, Philadelphia, and then Aaron Jones. I don't know what his ownership's going to do. I, I really don't, but I, I will tell you this much. I, I think Aaron Jones continues to be the type of guy that thrives in, you know, bad situations, whether it be it, you know, no Devonte Adams, MVS or Lazard. We saw him get 11 targets last week, or maybe a spot where you have to be more conservative. I think LaFleur is a good enough play caller that he'll get his playmakers involved. And we saw that last week, they got a win uh, in a game that nobody thought they could win. So I'm wondering if Aaron Jones ownership comes down as a result. Kansas City's defense is so atrocious, man. I mean, they are bad. Yeah, they are. Speaking to the top of the position, it's pretty flat overall right now. Again, we haven't had this update. 
but I think right now Elliott is very deserving of his ownership. Tony Pollard hasn't really gotten that spike in usage. A lot of us thought he would. Elliott's still very clearly above 20 touches in the last two games. And what I think is most important, a lot of that has come in the past game. Elliott, at least the last two weeks, has 15 combined targets, which is a drastic spike from what he was seeing earlier in the year. Speaking of perhaps a little role change, but I just to correct what I said, he's been over 20 touches in four straight games now. So the workload's there for him, big favorites over Denver. I think he makes a lot of sense, and he's really not coming in with that much ownership. It's just 17%, which is about a percent ahead of Camara, a percent here or there ahead of like Aaron Jones and Eckler. If that stays flat, I'm more than comfortable getting to Elliott there. But I don't think Jones is really going to be a worse play without Aaron Rodgers. I think if anything, maybe his efficiency drops, but his volume increases. Perhaps Green Bay runs a little bit more. I think they could use him as an outlet out of the backfield as a pass catcher to help Jordan Love rather than, you know, have a guy coming in for his first start in however long, maybe the first start in his career. I don't really think you want him pushing the ball down the field that much. So perhaps Aaron Jones, just an easy outlet there. I think maybe his ownership comes up, but I'm not sure. I was wondering the same thing, Matt. Yeah. Do you think his ownership comes up or stays relatively the same, Eric? I think it probably looks about appropriate to me right now. I mean, I feel like we've had a pretty good finger on the pulse for where these running backs are going to go. The the thing about Ezekiel Elliott that makes sense is the position just doesn't look that good uh, in general, like uh, compared to a, a normal week. I mean, the guy I would have the most interest in on the top end is Austin Eckler. Um, sitting at 7,900, especially for tournaments. I mean, you talk, we talk every week about game script proof. The guy catches the ball constantly. He also runs the ball a little bit higher than what you would expect. 11 attempts there last time out. And a number of times he's only had 100 yard rushing game, but he gets so much passing volume. It really doesn't matter. Um, But yeah, I I understand kind of why the fields where they are uh, on a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, a guy like Kamara, but Aaron Jones, you know, you're, you're talking about a Kansas city team that, you know, Devontae Booker still pretty much got there in a meaningful way. He needed to be a part of your showdown lineup to take anything down. And I get it. Like, I, I think that they might just try to slow it down a little bit, just kind of methodically run the ball down Kansas City's throat, which is something I think you're able to do. And if Jordan Love can be semi-competent, like just semi-competent, they have Devontae Adams back out there. It could be a, a really good spot for him, but I, I doubt that anything increases to like a 20% range on Aaron Jones. I, I'd be very surprised if he went over that number. I think people are just going to assume that without Aaron Rodgers there, the, the Green Bay uh, offense is going to be inept. And you might see some of this dictated just by totals coming down as well. I mean, the books just opened this game back up. Total dropped to 49. Um, Packers, what was, the, hold on, let me, what was the spread on this game? Two and a half. Well, who was who was laying two and a half? Chiefs still favored. The Chiefs were two and a half point favorites. The total was fifty four. Okay, so Chiefs were still favored two and a half. Yeah, fifty four. So now it's eight. Rogers eight worth almost a touchdown. Yeah, yeah. I think that sounds. A quarterback's right. worth more than is. anything. And, and Rogers, the quarterback being Rogers specifically. Well, that's the thing, right? Like Zach Wilson, the Mike White. Probably move the line in the Jets' favor, but <laughs> I, I mean, seriously, I, I'm serious. Like Trevor Lawrence, being, some of these guys being out, but Aaron Rodgers being out, yeah, that's tough. I still, I, I think the Packers probably win this game, though, um, or maybe that's a stretch. I think this game still stays plenty close. I really do. Like I, I have no confidence in the Chiefs right now. I don't know how we could, Matt. The longest pass play from Patrick Mahomes last game was a, like a screen pass 
to to Miko Hardman. They couldn't get anything downfield. And their offense is 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 sputtering right now, and their defense is arguably you know the worst, at least bottom five in the league. So I still like this game. I'll still go to Rodgers. Where do we turn? Sorry, go ahead. Were you saying something? Me? No. No. I thought somebody nope, was. Nothing. Okay. Uh, nope. Do, do we have any love for any of these other guys? And of course, Christian McCaffrey, if he's active, that ownership will change dramatically from where it is right now. Uh, that's just kind of placeholder status until we get a better idea of where he's at for anybody wondering around 8.6%. But um, Eric, what about a guy in Miles Gaskin this week? They have their highest total of the season by far. They have a 26 and a half point total, but there's no doubt Miami's going to be chalky. Yeah, and they should be against Houston. I mean, Houston's pretty inept as well. Uh, I will say the one thing, Salvin Ahmed has been playing a little bit more here as they've gone along. Seven rushing attempts now in three straight. And Miles Gaskin, we've seen some upside, some massive upside from him, but it's almost all been in the passing game. He had the two-touchdown game against Tampa Bay. He had another passing touchdown against Atlanta here. You know, perhaps that, that could be something where, I mean, both of those ended up being uh, spots where they were getting beat up and he had to come from behind. So I got to be thinking that that probably limits a little bit of what you're looking for, but the price at 5,800 is still sub six K against a Houston team. He's still got the backfield, still getting double digit attempts the last two weeks. So I think that there's still some positives to draw from it at 10%, 11%. I mean, I'm, I'm very curious where the boom bust tool is going to come in on a guy like that. That's going to be something that I'm going to be utilizing to decide whether or not that's going to be a play I really want to be overweight to. It's been doing a really good job of identifying where we need to be on some of these mid-level running backs. But on the, on the surface, I think Miles Gaskin makes for a great play. Um, but I, I just got to make sure that that ownership stays intact because, you know, I think that there's enough risk with somebody like Salvin Ahmed getting enough carries. You know, Malcolm Brown is going to continue, I believe, to be out here in this, but he's on IR. So, yeah, yeah he's IR. going to be out. That's that's a big plus for him as well. So I think there's definitely some shots we can take on him no matter what. Matt, the one thing is interesting right, that with with Malcolm Brown hitting the IR, he was already kind of losing involvement. But Prior to that, if you looked at the red, the goal line and red zone carries, particularly on the goal line, Salvin Ahmed has gotten none of them at all. And Malcolm Brown, even if he was being used scarcely, was still getting a lot of those goal line carries. Miles Gaskin has been the one getting the bulk of work in the red zone now, even with Ahmed getting his fair share of carries. So this does feel like one of those games where there's just a lot more touchdown equity for someone like Miles Gaskin, but he's also the type of guy that if he gets too high owned, I just don't think I can, I can go there. If we start seeing him become like mega chalk, because we've seen Brian Flores just decide not to play him in games this year. Right. And I think there's still pretty good pivots around him. I mean, down in that range, just that, that price range, like he's only slightly less expensive than a quarter Patterson. But I mean, you talk about volatility, quarter Patterson certainly has that as well, but they're essentially in the same price range. I think if you just look at ownership overall, like a, a Josh Jacobs, he's right around that price range. It's a situation where I'm not sure you need to take on that volatility. You can find some other backs that have consistent workloads. And if you even want to go cheaper, not to bring up Chase Edmonds every single week, but he plays on an explosive offense. When you try to like mirror the, the guy with a questionable workload coming in slightly more owned than a guy who has a secure workload, albeit a little more risky, but on an explosive offense, 
I think I would rather just find some of these lower owned backs like Patterson, slightly more expensive, Edmund, slightly less expensive. Whereas I think the risk is like very similar between them. Some cheaper or not cheaper, but lesser owned guys. I have a couple that I'm actually interested in, Eric. And, and again, when we get to these lower owned plays, they're low owned for a reason. So when you're talking about rostering, you're not saying like this is the greatest play on the slate, but more so, hey, maybe maybe there's something to this. Uh, Damian Harris against Carolina. I don't like that he's not involved as a pass catcher, but the guy clearly has like 25 carry two touchdown upside. And we've seen that. Um, mm-hmm. Here's one to me that that it, that I liked a lot more before Aaron Rodgers. Daryl Williams. Everybody was bugging out about Derek Gore. Okay. Getting those that work saying, who's this fella? Is it Frank Gore's grandchild grandson? <laughs> but the, the crazy thing is that Daryl Williams still had 19 looks in that game. And he was the only running back targeted in the passing game. And he had six for 66 caught all of his passes still saw 13 carries. If this were a game that was actually projected to be, competitive and and with green Bay or sorry, Kansas city struggling to move the football as they have recently. I still think Daryl Williams, assuming Clyde Edwards delay doesn't return. He is eligible to be activated. I don't think he will be. Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting. I think Eli Mitchell's interesting as well against Arizona. The guy's getting a ton of carries. So I don't hate some of these lower on players. I'll have a little bit yeah. of them. I don't hate it either. The guy I have my eye on, and I think he would probably end up vaulting up everybody's board right now. He's projected for 1% because I think we have Saquon projected in. Devontae Booker going Love up it. against Vegas. They have only had one game this entire season. They've held a, a team under 112 yards rushing. I mean, people have been running all over the Raiders this entire season. Devontae Booker, 82% and 93% of the snaps last week against Kansas City. I mean, Eli Penny also uh, ended up getting that unsportsmanlike penalty, the taunting penalty that ended up costing them that 15-yard penalty, had to take that play off the board, uh, which is kind of crazy because it was the end of the play. He gets a taunting penalty, and then they still take the play back. I thought that was fascinating. Did but, you see the uh, tackle attempt on that? The, 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 the tackler pushed, shoved him 15 yards downfield in a tackle attempt. Yeah. It was ridiculous, but then he basically got doghoused and it was Devontae Booker for every snap the rest of the game once again. So there was really no other back mixing in there. 93%, a gigantic number to be looking at. Volume alone, sub 6K. If Saquon Barkley is out and they have a week 10 bye, keep that in mind. The Giants do. So I would be surprised if Saquon Barkley played in this game personally. I'd be very, very surprised. I think you give them the full two weeks to be able to sit this one out. Vegas is still a winnable game for them if they're, you know, caring about such things. But uh, I mean, I don't. 5,900 for him would be probably one of my favorite running back plays of the week. I love it. Matt, one thing I've been harping on with with Devontae Booker, at least last week, was when you look at his snap counts, it's easy to be like, okay, he's playing a decent amount, but not all of them. It's not true. When Saquon Barkley went out that week, Booker played all but one snap after the six snaps Barkley played. The week after that, they got shit on by the Rams. He didn't play the fourth quarter. He would have played 95% of snaps. Then the next week against Carolina, these guys didn't play the final half of the the fourth quarter or more. Um, And then last week he played, as Eric pointed out, 93% of snaps. I know Barkley said he wants to play this week, but they have a bye week in week 10. And he said he had too much swelling and bruising in his ankle. That's why he didn't play on Monday. So forgive me for being skeptical on his status. But Booker's going to play 90 plus percent of snaps every single week that Barkley's out. That to me at least has some value. Yeah, I think you're right. I I do think the Giants are dumb enough to 
play Barkley if he says he's healthy. <laughs> like, I mean, this is a team that it's a good really? take. you it's look a at good their take. head, their head coach last year was like nearly in tears when the Eagles just folded and they didn't make the playoffs at like whatever they were, they won like five games. <laughs> they had a chance at the playoffs and Joe judge was pissed that the Eagles laid down. So the giants didn't have their chance to get in. I mean, like this team isn't smart. And I mean, if Barkley's healthy, I think they do try to play him because they need to win games. They're just stone dead to win the Super Bowl, but Joe Judge probably thinks they have a chance. <laughs> you could be right. Booker's going to get another 20-plus looks in this game, though. That's the crazy thing, Eric. Like, if Barkley's out, Booker's going to yeah. be on the field the entire game. He doesn't He doesn't need to be wildly efficient. Just give yeah. me all the volume we, you can. We prep shows, and I just kind of in my head assumed that Saquon Barkley was out. And so I, yesterday I started circling players that I was extremely interested in, and he was probably my favorite running back play, period. And then I saw that we were projecting Barkley in, and it kind of just just told me that you're going to be waiting on that news. I'm sure if Barkley says, hey, I'm good to go, he probably plays, and then you're kind of screwed out of luck on this. But as you said, there's a number of really good plays here just underneath 6K. Eli Mitchell was a guy that you had talked about against Arizona. I don't mind that. Another just volume-based play, 18 carries yeah. last two. Daryl Williams, of course, in this game environment, you got to expect that you know now with the Chiefs being uh, favorites here in this spot against Green Bay, it's, it's definitely a better game script for him. Uh, going forward with that backfield. And, you know, there's there's a number of these guys. I mean, Chase Edmonds, are we done with Chase Edmonds here at this point? I don't think we're That's done not. with him yet. Trying to make that a thing. 5,300. Um, I, I mean, for me, it's just always the passing game volume, right? you got a glimmer of hope there. You know, there is a 0.0% chance that he's getting a goal line carry here at this point. Um, but I still think you can make a case for that at 5,300. That is kind of priced in for him. The fact that James Conner is just an absolute vulture yeah unless he has a direct snap touchdown outside of the 10 yard line but matt talked about chase edmonds i I, i'm not there personally i I don't i just have zero faith in in them right now but the the problem is like the only way he's scoring is if he breaks a big touchdown at this point or Mm -hmm. a direct snap at the 11 and i don't know it's not fun but he is good he's clearly the best running back on the team James Conner is on pace to finish with like 750 yards and 16 touchdowns. <laughs> that, can you believe that? That's unimaginable. Uh-huh. He's fancy Mike Tolbert. Exactly. Yeah. 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 He had cancer. Th- so we feel good for him. We feel Say good again? for him. He had cancer. So we feel good for him. I guess. James Conner. I don't know. I'm trying to find some reason to not be pissed about it. I mean, I think it's awesome that he beat cancer, but I mean, stay away from Edmund's fucking touchdowns, you know? <laughs> I, I, I didn't, I didn't even really draft any Edmonds this year, but I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't equate his battle with cancer, which I think all of us have praised him for in the past with, you know, vulturing away all of these valuable scores now in Arizona. At some point, don't Eric, turn this around to, on me. Don't turn this around on Eric, me. Eric, at you some point, the we sound have bite. to disconnect that. Yeah, I know. But I'm just saying, I feel good for him. Good for him. But also, yeah, I, I'm pissed about it, too, because I've had an irrational amount of Chase Edmonds a couple of weeks. Right. But you're like, well, it's cool because... When I'm broke and I can't pay rent, you know, it's going to be a different conversation altogether. But yeah, thanks, James Conner. 
All right, let's talk about running back uh, wide receivers. Before we do, though, fellas, prize picks. Matt, you heard of prize picks? Yeah, I have, but I'm not sure if you're using this as a stalling tactic to take a drink of water or if you want me to say more. <laughs> it was so that, bad. That wasn't that, that, that. No, I, I mean, it's generally generally a setup, but no, I don't need any water right now. Um, that's good. Was that on this week's show or was that on the, the show? With it was last week. I mean, this show well, last week we were doing yeah. the back and forth and then you set it up where I was like, oh, do tell me about prize picks. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like Eric, man, do you guys know about prize picks? We're like, yeah. Well, I expect more from you, man. Yeah, I know. You just said, yeah. <laughs> it's prop based games where you can two, three, four or five pl- uh, props and you can t- up to 10x your money. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Prize and picks. Thank you, Eric. Yeah, but for real, people love playing there. And we've been getting a ton of screenshots in the Awesome Hall of Fame page, too, uh, which is fun because people are winning there. And you're not going up against sharks. You're not going up against somebody that's throwing 150 lineups. And you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Look, you might not bink a million dollars. Well, I, I suppose if you put a $100,000 five-player prop down or five-player lineup down, sure. But um, you, you're 10xing your money on a five-player lineup and you can do multiple sports they have an absurd assortment of sports over there you can mix all of them together and the greatest thing about it is it's not like a traditional five leg parlay if you went to one of these other books and it's like all right five prop parlay here we go or five player parlay or five team parlay you got a big money line parlay and your fifth leg is a minus 600 favorite going into the night games and they get blown out and then your parlay gets blown up and you make nothing back on it. See, Eric, the thing about prize picks is if you're four for four going into the late game and you have Dalvin cook to score a touchdown against the Cowboys in a game, they should win. And he doesn't score a touchdown. I mean, he didn't do anything. You still win money and profit on those four or five. That's what makes prize picks good. Yeah, it, it salvages a little bit of your day in some of these spots. I think when you play the five props, you're able to up to 10 exit. And then if you end up getting just four or five, you get two X on it still. Whereas in a traditional sports book, you're getting zero dollars back from that. Even on three out of five, you end up getting 0.4 X of your money back. Um, when you're playing the four plays, you end up getting three correct. You get uh, 1.5 X. I mean, it just doesn't get a whole lot better than being able to salvage your day. You don't have to be perfect in some of these spots. You can go to the power play on four picks and get the 10 X if you want to do that. And then you got to get all four, but there are options available to you. I really do think that flex play and the power play, just kind of knowing a couple of the nuances there that can definitely be huge. I prefer with four plays or less the power play, just because I think it pays out a little bit better over a period of time. But if you have four plays that you think are popping, that's going to be better and more advantageous. But when you play the five you absolutely need to be playing some of those where you can three out of five or four out of five and salvage your day now that my friends is how it's done nice work eric thank you so much i am a professional at least on days where you know ending in no that i'm not even gonna go there i'm stupid you were doing so great man i was and then i just i I got excited okay you got excited Use the promo code AWESOMO. Get a deposit match by, uh, bonus up to $100 when you sign up and deposit. Uh, Eric just laid it out. Like, there's so many ways to not lose your ass. I guarantee you, 
if you go just to another book and start just doing random five prop parlays, you're going to be in trouble very quickly because they will get blown up more times than not. You might hit one here and there, but when you don't, you get nothing back. Use the promo code awesome. I'll get it to $100 when you sign up and deposit. Prizepicks.com. Go to the App Store. Go to the Google Play Store. Whatever you feel like doing. It's a great-looking site as well. Matt, give me a prop. What? This might seem like a layup one, but I still think Josh Allen is under-projected at 285 yards. And I cross-reference this with our projections. We have him over 300 sitting at 304, which is nearly 20 yards of value. I know they're facing Jacksonville and there's a huge risk of this game getting out of hand. But then think about this. If Buffalo gets this game past like the 14 point spread where bookmakers currently have it, who's likely to have done all that damage Buffalo pass first team. I think they're clearly going, I mean, 31 point implied total Jacksonville bad on defense as well. Even though the spread is really lopsided here, I think the engine of them getting to that point is Josh Allen. So I'll take over the, the prop they have listed at 285 and a half. I love that. Uh, see, Christian McCaffrey designated for return. Ooh, all right. Oh, baby. Um, before Eric can steal my bit, which I heard him do yesterday. That was a, that was a great show, by the way. Uh, or two days oh, thank ago. thank you so much. And you hit yeah. on that. I did. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, over half a touchdown. I, you mm. just need to do that. Everywhere else, he's minus 200 to score. No juice on this at all. Over half a touchdown. It's that simple. I mean, take that before it's off the board. What do you got, Eric? So I'm going to play the touchdown prop as well. Oh, Eric stole my bit. Oh, no. Well, uh, I'm what, be what taking... you stole was I talk about this all the time. That's my line, man. Go ahead. I know. Go ahead. Well, okay. here you go. Less than 0.5 touchdowns for Michael Pittman Jr. against the Jets. Okay. Uh, looking around the books, plus 140, plus 120, plus 135. A number of different books where uh, that's pretty positive to be getting in, into it. I mean, I, I want to be getting a, a little bit of updates. We have so many running back situations that are in flux that are going to change around some numbers. You want to be quick on the trigger for something like that in the event that you can short a Chuba Hubbard or somebody like that in this spot uh, when Christian McCaffrey gets you know designated for return. That's good stuff. But something that I think is great is when you can get a plus 120 to plus 140 play um, where he's, you know, Michael Pittman, the only way he's scoring a touchdown is catching it and his receiving touchdown prop right in that range. So I think shorting, it looks like a, a pretty logical play. Okay. And I don't hate it with the, with the over half a touchdown for Taylor in the same one, because if Taylor's scoring, Michael Pittman, isn't all right. Love that call. Yeah. Let's talk wide receivers again. Prize picks use the promo code. Awesome. Matt Devonte Adams. We had him projected for 22% ownership, which seemed reasonable. Like there's no way he's coming in here with Rogers that he wasn't going to light them up unless they just didn't need him. But where do we go with him now? I still think he's going to be targeted heavily. Me too. I mean, this, the spread now indicates that Kansas City is going to be leading by over a touchdown. That indicates Green Bay should probably having to throw the ball. And who else do they have? I mean, of course, there's like the Lazards, the MBSs, if he returns. And Aaron Jones will be a focal point in the pass game. But Adams is really the only legitimate receiving option this team has. So in this kind of game script, I think he's still peppered with targets. It's just a matter of what does his efficiency look like? And I think we've seen this in other situations this year, like Brandon Cook stands out where the targets are going to be there, but not necessarily the efficiency. And it leads to a lot of volatility. So I think perhaps Adams isn't really a cash game play anymore. Again, I'm not sure. We'll see how the week shakes out, but perhaps he's just more of your tournament play. 
I will say with Davis Mills at quarterback, it's still impressive that Brandon Cooks is the wide receiver 17 on the year. I guess. Yeah. You know, we don't granted, Matt, we don't want Devontae Adams as the wide receiver 17 this week. I'm just saying, like, yeah, he's better than Brandon Cooks. And the one thing, the one thing that stands out is MVS is a, like they really have only used him on on deep balls. They, they he's not someone you're using as a possession guy. You want to talk about Randall Cobb fine or like Alan Lazard, but if there's one guy to move the chains that you just want to get the ball to and see if he can catch it no matter where you're placing it, it is Devontae Adams, Eric. So if he saw 15 targets in this game from Jordan Love saying, you know what, this is my first career start. Let me get it to the best receiver in the game. It seems it seems like a, a wise recipe for not getting embarrassed if you're Jordan Love. I think I would probably want to do that. Um, yeah, I, I think sure. that that's very, very logical. I will say what's really fun about this entire slate is we have no Cooper Cup. Devontae Adams is in over 9K already. I mean, he was already super, super cheap. And now we at least have to think about it. I think it would have been a little bit more of a layup 8,200 against this Kansas City team. You would have seen some massive ownership go his way. And now every single wide receiver, you know, is pretty cheap compared to these previous weeks here. Obviously, no Cooper Cup definitely helps. But Tyreek Hill, 7,900. I mean, that is a really low tag for a guy. I mean, his price just dropped coming off of a, a gigantic game here. Um, I'm, I'm thinking he's going to end up gaining a ton of steam. It makes all the sense in the world to have him and Devontae Adams across from each other in lineups. Um, so I, I think that we're going to see that ownership on both of them climb throughout the week, especially if we have so much running back value. Maybe CMC becomes a piece where he kind of absorbs some of the salary on the top end of that position, but Otherwise, it's pretty clear cut. Those two are just phenomenal plays. For me, it just comes down to, okay, how many times can you fade Debo Samuel? How many times can you constantly get punched in the face by this dude every single week and I still don't roster him? I mean, is he just awesome. so good that it's undeniable at this point? Because Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance, doesn't matter. He continues to have massive games and I just don't understand it. Dude, do you know what his yards per route run is this season, Debo Samuel? I mean, Guessing it's number one or two in the league. It's four point. Uh, oh, wait, wait, four point. No, here it is. Sorry, three point six nine, which is the highest in the league by by far. Like the only one close is Deshaun Jackson, and and he has fourteen targets. He's run sixty three routes. Like these are nuts numbers. It's even considerably higher than Cooper Cup. So yeah, I mean, he's been that good, Matt. I'm having trouble figuring out what to do with Brandon Cooks, though. Maybe you can help me with this because, first of all, Terod Taylor might be back. Miami's secondary, their pass coverage has been just the stone worst or one of them, almost 300 yards allowed per game. But Cooks is getting a lot of ownership. So how do we come to terms with that on either side? I think with Cooks, it's going to change a little bit here. He's just so risky because of the team he plays on. And it, it was two weeks ago, we saw him just immense target volume, but he finished with like 25 yards along with 18, just because they couldn't get any efficiency going. And so many of his catches come on screen passes. So I don't think he offers you a great ceiling and he needs to be a little bit cheaper for me to consider. 6,100 is kind of getting to that threshold where it's like, all right, what's the floor with this guy and what's the ceiling? And they're both pretty low in my opinion, playing for a team that never really is going to bring a lot of projected implied team total points, anything like that. So I'm more likely to play Cooks when he's at a cheaper price and less ownership. 15% just feels like too much for a guy in this range. 
the way the week looks like it's going to shake out, I, I do think Tyreek Hill ends up being the most owned receiver on the board just because there aren't really a lot of other places to go up there. Debo, I think, is a good pivot. And like in the Cooks range, there's just not that many players getting ownership. You really have to go cheaper than him. So I, I think this might be a little bit of an overprojection for Cooks, but I guess we'll see. But at 15%, I have no issue fading him. I think you could be right. I did come across an insane stat yesterday, Eric, when I was writing the script for the uh, start sit video for our fantasy football channel, which I would mm -hmm. love for you guys to check out. We got some amazing content over there, whether it's dynasty redraft, whatever it is, check that out. The awesome fantasy football channel. So if you look at the target share this year, Brandon cooks is at 30%. No one else is higher than 12 on Houston. How does that happen? Uh, it happens because Nico Collins is being relied upon to be a wide receiver too. I think that that's probably the best way of no breaking faith it down. No Danny Amendola. Yeah, no offense to Danny Amendola, but uh, no, I do not. So there's that. Um, Brandon Cooks is really good. I, I don't think there's really any question about that. It's not a question of his talent. It just is a question of the talent around him. This is a week, though, where I think you can fire him up. 6,100 against Miami. Miami's another team to just constantly be picking on. And, you know, I, we'll, we'll talk, you know, quarterbacks later in the week. That's going to be an interesting conversation piece. But I think two is going to be pretty popular this week. And, I mean, I just don't know who you would ever be running back uh, some of these games with. I mean, David Johnson, you want to get some Philip Lindsay in your life? I think not. If you're going to be playing some two at game stacks, He's the only guy. I, I can't think of one other person on Houston that I would want to have a single share of. I, I, I don't even remotely see it. So Brandon Cooks, I think part of the reason he's so owned is coming off of a Rams week where, of course, if you're going to run him back, he's the only logical run back, you know, in the event that that game stayed close, it did not stay close. But they all got there. And now you're looking at Miami. It just makes all the sense in the world that he's the easy plug and play. And if that game shoots out, you got to expect that he's going to get there. 6,100, probably too low for that kind of target volume. Okay. So slightly different opinion than Matt here, right? You're, yeah, you're yeah. essentially a little bit yeah. more bullish. Yeah. I, I like him. Um, I just, bad things happen on bad offenses, but good things can also happen too. It's just the likelihood of things going wrong is a little bit higher. I'm telling you right now though, if Terod Taylor is in, he is, maybe you guys disagree. I think he's a significant upgrade from Davis Mills. Significant. There's yeah. like five or six college quarterbacks that should start over Davis Mills right now. <laughs> maybe like 10. But you agree, Matt. Where like, did Davis Mills go to school? Stanford. <laughs> oh, okay. It's great. What, what, uh, what was his question, ADOT man. in college? Dude, he, only <laughs> played, he only played like nine games. He was number one recruit in the country, and then he tore his ACL like four times. That's right. Bad. What, but with Terod Taylor, Matt, would you say, though, if he comes in, would that give you any more interest in Brandon Cooks if his ownership is unchanged or are you you're in the same boat regardless? I think it's just really high for a guy on a team with such a low implied total. I, I do agree. I, I do. I agree with you that his efficiency would spike and the target volume is not really different. But we're still talking about the third most owned receiver on the slate. And I'm just going to look at our projections here, like for receivers in that price range. Cooks is high, but like. Just below him, like Hunter Renfro doesn't project for that much less than him. Yeah, but sure. he's way cheaper. That's what I'm saying. Like, you can play a much cheaper guy yeah. and get a similar projection. Like, why aren't we just doing that? Uh, like, Makes sense. And we're, we, we need to obviously look at the entire contract of the lineup, but in a vacuum, if I can pay like nearly 2K cheaper for Hunter Renfro, 
Like, uh, why am I not just doing that? But I get it. The, that's that's the question of tournaments and cash games. Of course, you're going to jam in better projection. I mean, Hunter Renfro, uh, barring something crazy, uh, is almost like a cash lock this week. I mean, it's just kind of the way that it sets up. We can talk about Henry Ruggs and, and you know, this is awful, but this impacts the football. We have to talk about that. That's what this show is. And it just makes all the sense in the world. The sub 5K Hunter Renfro with no Henry Ruggs out there is just way, way, way too cheap. But you're talking about game stacks. You're talking about correlation. You're talking about tournaments. And for me, it just like looks at if I'm going to play Tua, if I'm going to stack him up with Waddle, Jasicki who's running a lot of routes here. Devontae Parker emerged right out of the gate. And I was happy to see that, that he kind of hit the ground running here. If you're going to be playing Tua with those guys. We play Brandon Cooks on the other side. It's just the logical way to do that. So that's eight. 10% of, of maybe, you know, two lineups, if you're going to be running it back in that kind of a situation, four or 5% of standalone interest in Brandon Cooks. I think all of those are pretty logical numbers at 6,100. I mean, a 30% target share, 30% is a large, large number to be looking at for a guy who's at 6,100. So yeah, he, compared to Hunter Renfro for 1,300 less, absolutely with you for cash, but we're talking tournaments, we're talking correlation, we're talking other things as well. So we always have to keep that in mind. Yeah, and I will... for, for tournaments, I mean, like you're stacking a game with a 46-point total with a team in Houston, which has no semblance of an offense. I mean, you can pay 6100 for that, and you can hope for the shootout game. I don't think it's the most likely, but again, we're, we're talking Wednesday. If that is the route you end up taking, completely fine with Brandon Cooks and game stacks, completely fine with two a stack. But to me right now, just like that game environment does not look like the best. I will say, though, a 20-point implied total for Houston is actually not that bad for Houston. Yeah, yeah, it's actually might be their best in the year. It's like 40 for the Rams. But we also have to look at it in the context of the slate. We just lost a 54 and a half total with Kansas City and and Green Bay. And now the top total on the board is 50 Chargers and and Philly. I don't there's no larger total that we're looking at anymore. So for me, it also comes down to, well, there's a four point differential. But you can't tell me Tua doesn't have upside going up against Houston. So like for me, it just. I don't think there's any one game that stands amongst everything else is like the superior game. The Packers have the same implied total as the Texans for what it's worth. Um, let's keep going here because I Tyler, do we have to be out by 55 or are we good to go to the bottom of the hour? We're good. Okay. Uh, Matt, I, I, I Renfro. Okay. We talked about him. And then you have Waddle and Parker on the other side of this one. I think, and, and we talked about Debo Samuel as well. We don't need to spend a ton of time there. He's just, uh, he's amazing. And if you're playing Debo, uh, I have no issues with that whatsoever. I did want to hit quickly though, on just the pass catchers for, for Miami and feel free to throw Gasecki in here as well. I mean, we don't need to spend a lot of time on tight ends. We can kind of mix them in as we go. They have a, again, a 26 and a half point total against the bad Houston team with a anemic offense and, they're expected to score points, but everyone's getting ownership for Miami this week, including Gaskin, Gasecki, Waddle, Devontae Parker. I will say, though, no team ranks grades out worse in tackling this year than the Houston Texans. No team. Um, just, if you if you look at all of their pa- the grades, like pass coverage, tackling, all of that, it's terrible. Jalen Waddle is not being used right, but he is top eight in targets over the last four weeks, and he is – third and broken tackle or missed tackles or what forced tackles forced missed tackles. Sorry. Maybe this is the spot against a Houston team that can't tackle and can't defend the pass that he does break one or two off 
And because he's going to have to do it on his own is what I'm saying. Yeah, for sure. With Waddle, he's just that kind of player, but luckily he has the explosiveness to do it. Again, at this point in the week, I'm down on this game environment. You mentioned there not being like a lot of 50-point games, but there's still five or six games with totals at or above this Houston-Miami game. And then always what I'm doing is trying to look at projection versus ownership. And this changes. We are talking Wednesday. So this is my opinion on Wednesday. I could be in line with Eric come Sunday morning. I don't know where this is going to shake out. You have Waddle and Parker both as two of the top six owned receivers. Then I just mirror that to our projections overall. Like T. Higgins is projected for more raw points. Cole Beasley is projected for more raw points. Cortland Sutton, Amari Cooper. And these are just a few names in the price range. And we haven't even considered flipping the build yet and just not playing some of these mid-price receivers. So if it stands out like this, I, like I'm just not going to play these guys in the stack. They're too high owned for their projection right now. That doesn't mean you, they Eric? don't have upside. They could very well get there. Any sure. team can get there. I'm not saying that. Ownership versus projection, I will not be doing this right now. So this seems like a game, Matt, that you are going to be a little bit more bearish on than everybody else, just as given the as, ownership. As long as ownership stays where it yeah. is, yes. I get it. I do get it. Two bad teams, if they're going to be that high on, you just sometimes have to take the risk of saying, these teams could be bad today. On like It's just, it's very possible. Like you could take the same game total in Cincinnati, Cleveland, the same game total, take higher projected plays in Jarvis Landry and T Higgins on the other side, pick whatever quarterback you want. And you have a much lower own stack in literally the same game environment projected by Vegas. Yeah. The only difference is people see bad, 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 bad defenses, and it makes it easier for them to neglect the fact that there's two not great offenses too. So, yeah. yeah. Eric, what are you thinking with uh, some lower owned wide receivers? Anything pop off at, at you? Yeah, low-round, it, it, I mean, of course, Renfro. I mean, that's that's somebody that's already gaining a ton of traction, and, and I think that it's all rightfully justified to kind of get down there. Tyler Boyd on the other side, you were talking about Cincinnati pass catchers. Eight for five in the touchdown. I mean, maybe that inflates the look a little bit, but, I mean, we kind of expect them to be constantly in, in some of these passing spots, and Cleveland got in a back-and-forth affair with, with the Chargers earlier in the season, so... I mean, their their defense, their defensive line can definitely get after the quarterback, but they've definitely been uh, susceptible to giving up points here too. Cincinnati just has looked really, really solid here. I, I really like this football team uh, above expectations. So I'm looking at them as as a team. You know, yeah, they lost to the Jets, and that's not ideal, but I think their offense is just firing. So Tyler Boyd at 5K. I think that that's just a little bit too cheap for him as well. Somebody that I had circled in Jacoby Myers. I mean, I. Jacoby Myers, poor Jacoby Myers. Eventually, the guy's going to score a touchdown. It's going to happen. Maybe. He's maybe not get that guy right. No, me neither. Yeah, I've pretty much given up. I play him every week. I loved him. I thought he was such a good run back with the Chargers stacks last week. I thought it made all the sense in the world. DJ Moore is somebody that, I mean, I, you would have a lot more interest. I, I, I'm probably going to have interest in him, CMC, either way. But uh, playing Jacoby Myers on the other side, my main New England running back against a Carolina defense that has proven not as good as we expected coming off their hot start to the season. I'm not even really interested in targeting Jacoby Myers anymore. I, I feel like I'm just... I don't know. Fatigue has set in. Maybe, maybe he'll get there, but he's averaging less than 10 yards per reception. Anyway, that's kind of the thing. It's not even like, Oh, he's got this explosive ceiling too, because he, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm hey, wrong. Hey, Odell Beckham just dismissed from practice. Live reaction, please. 
Oh, wow. His dad. Did you see the video his dad posted? Yeah. They, I mean, like he doesn't want to he doesn't want to play there because <laughs> of how bad Baker Mayfield is. So like a true professional, he shows up to a job he doesn't want to be at. And it looks like they might be doing something with him, hopefully to appease the situation. Would you want to play with Baker Mayfield with the way he's throwing you the football? In Baker Mayfield's defense, he's playing through an injury that most people would have already had surgery already. What was his defense two years ago? For what? Being bad? Not being able to hit Beckham on literally any pass. That I don't have an answer to. That's that's on Baker. (laughs) No, I mean, he could have been young. I'm just, I'm joking, but... Matt, I, I do want to throw one guy out at you. It's not like we have a ton of time here, but uh, Mike Williams is getting no ownership right now. He's just really, really good. And I do feel like, yes, the ownership is down because his price is up with a lot of other great players in that range. But Mike Williams is one of those guys where we've seen what he's capable of doing in terms of just blowing a slate wide open. You know, he's got a 39, a 36 fantasy point game. And then he just has lays these complete eggs. So with Mike Williams as a tournament dart throw, even at an expensive price point, I'm always at least intrigued to say, all right, you know what? He might blow my team up with five fantasy points, or he might have 40. I think he's that kind of receiver. And it reminds me in a way of like Tampa Bay when they're fully healthy. This is an explosive offense that we want pieces of if, if we're stacking the game. Like if you're stacking Herbert, maybe Mike Williams doesn't project as well as Tyree Kill and some of the other receivers in this price range. But if you're specifically stacking this game or looking for runbacks, whatever it may be, Mike Williams is one of those explosive playmakers that is directly attached to Herbert. And the target share is not going to be on par with Tyree Kill. You're just not going to have the same projection with him but he fits into those lineups really well. And if he comes with lower ownership, we've seen the upside repeatedly this year. He got off to one of the hottest starts in football, over 82 yards in each of his first three games. And he's been above, or I guess I should say at or above nine targets in most of his games this year. Recently, the volume has come down, but we could see that spike back up at any week. And what it comes down to is you're still playing for an explosive offense. So you want pieces of it if you're stacking it. Eric, should we, uh, before we go and hit on tight ends here, shout out some of the loyal awesomeo.com avatar rockers, big money makers for the awesome hall of fame segment. I think we really should. I think we really should. There's been too many to count, but we should do that. Yeah. And, uh, let's throw it on the screen, Tyler Xander, because our boy kicking this one off, Alex Baker, awesome himself said, crack the top three. Now where's my free month of awesome $20,000 win there on Sunday uh, primetime showdown. That's uh, Alex Baker, awesome on himself. And then how about Jake Hari? Man, I don't know if Jake, Jake's mostly behind the scenes now working on important stuff, but great NHL mind and uh, baseball 20K first place and 5K too. He took them all down. You love to see it. Congrats, Jake. Uh, and then this one, I used Awesome Mode premium subscription with Fantasy Cruncher and developed some lineups before I went to work. I put $20 in the $1 entry. I almost took it down when I left work though. I thought I lost, but no, one seven hundred fifty-seven dollars, seven seventy-seven fifty. Actually, third of fifty-nine thousand. That is amazing. There you go, fella. Awesomeo Plus subscription right there, because all you have to do is go to awesomeo.com/avatar, download the avatar. Whether you use it on Yahoo, DraftKings, or Fanduel, doesn't matter. If you finish top three in a field of five thousand or more, could be the nickel, the penny, or they don't have penny. 
the dime, the quarter, the dollar, or a $500 entry, whatever it is, 5,000 field or more, first through third, get an Awesome O Plus subscription for the month, $90 value. All you have to do is tweet us at Awesome O H O F and we'll get you hooked up. So congrats to everybody. Jay Hood took down $100,000 um, and he did so on like $150 entry, which is amazing. Uh, this one finally banked one first place, $100. See in the quarter jukebox. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And then Pedro, thanks, Awesome O. Fourth, first, and a uh, nice little bank there for him as well. So congrats to all of you guys. Download the avatar. Use that. Hit us up at Awesome HOF on Twitter. Of course, include Matt, Eric, and myself in that. And, uh, well, get your free month. And let us brag for you here on the Awesome Hall of Fame segment. All right, let's wrap this up, fellas. We got tight ends. Not a ton to talk about here, Eric. You got Waller getting some ownership. Kelsey still getting ownership. Gasecki, Dallas Goddard against the Chargers team that's been beat up pretty good by tight ends this year. And then Kyle Pitts, all of them above 10%. Give me your favorite chalky one and then your favorite pivot at tight end. Oh, God. So Travis Kelsey, I mean, that the washed joke was a joke. Travis I Kelsey know, against I know, Green I Bay. I mean, I we got to be expecting some positive regression eventually here. It... it, it Patrick Mahomes looked off last week against the Giants. There were a number of those uh, sideline routes where Travis Kelsey just was getting overthrown by a mile. They weren't on the same page. I don't know what's going on, but I know that that connection has been there for years, and I want to go right back to it here. So Travis Kelsey, no problem getting up to him. I think out of those three on the top end, Darren Waller, uh, Kyle Pitts, Darren Waller, free ghost. I, I still prefer Travis Kelsey. It seems to me like this entire top end has just been failing repeatedly. And eventually you're going to run into a week where you get a massive spike Kyle Pitts, Travis Kelsey week on a main slate, and you're going to need it. So I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully being this week, Mike Jasicki makes all the sense in the world running way more routes now here for Miami against this Houston game that Matt Kajewski absolutely hates. Um, so that makes it more incentive for me to play more of him. Uh, I think that that's great. And then just to the punts, I'll let you guys kind of speak to that, but Dallas Goddard, the last guy where, yeah, he's going to eventually start seeing some massive, massive hauls as well. Hasn't scored a touchdown in these two games post Ertz. I think that that suppresses a little bit of the ownership. Whereas if you put up a 20 spot, you'd be looking at him being extremely chalky at that number. You know what his target share was last week? No. 50%. That seems good. Because Hertz only threw 14 times, but seven of them went to Goddard. <laughs> I mean, still 50%, Matt. <laughs> 50%. The small sample king, Dallas Goddard. That's right. He's going to play like club, 100%. Bottle full of, oh, no, it's fine. What do you got, cent. Matt? Can we, go to, can we go to Tommy Sweeney in an explosive offense of 14-point favorites if Knox uh, is out? Yeah, he played a ton of snaps. I believe it was over 80%, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. So Sweeney, and we weren't sure if Buffalo was going to do this. We've seen them run four wide in the past. They were comfortable putting Sweeney into the Knox mm -hmm. role. It didn't amount to like that big blow up performance, but we've seen it repeatedly this year with Knox himself. If Sweeney's going to be on the field with the Bills and he's coming in at 2% ownership, that's something I like a lot. And one really interesting thing that stood out to me with ownership this week, and I think it just speaks to the lack of elite options on the slate as a whole with, you know, no Cooper Cup, Derrick Henry gone now, but there's not really a punt tight end in the top five. The closest one is Jared Cook, and he's only 9%. Outside of that, like if you play a Sweeney or one of these other punt tight ends, unlike previous weeks, like these guys aren't drawing any ownership. It's not Dan Arnold week that we saw just a week ago. Yeah, uh, Raymond Diaz is spamming Dan Arnold in the chat. He's getting targets, but 
all of them on the last drive. I mean, he's a good play too. If like Trevor Lawrence threw the ball 50 times, like this guy, they're mm-hmm. getting killed so bad in games that garbage time is going to be live. And if you're just taking a guy at three K, it's not like you're paying six K for Brandon cooks in the same environment. For sure. Hey, hit that thumbs up. We're at 64. We got almost 350 people watching. I mean, if you haven't done so yet, get us to a hundred. It's very doable here that we get to a hundred before we're out of here. I know it's basketball season. I get it. I understand. I know where people's priorities lie, but we're still here talking football because, well, football is the greatest sport out there. And I think you guys agree. So hit that thumbs up, subscribe to the channel. And if you want to join it, hit that join down below as well. Get the emojis, the badges and all that fun stuff. Free stuff too. NBA ownership rankings, entirely free today. NHL player rankings, totally free. PGA rank, those same rankings that your boy uh, Jake Hara used to take down 25K on DraftKings yesterday. PGA rankings free as well for a tournament coming up tomorrow. And never forget this. If you play NBA, the NBA deep dive by Adam Share comes out early every afternoon. It's the best, most comprehensive article you're going to read. I guarantee it. It, it's better than any article out there you're going to find behind paywall to get you ready for each NBA site. And it's free every day. You're playing NBA DFS. You got to read this article. I'm telling you, it is the best way to start it off. And you got Emacs slate starter article as well. So a lot of free stuff over there. Uh, I would definitely recommend checking it out. All right. Um, let's wrap it up with, with top stacks boys. Always my favorite part. I'll kick this one off just by saying that for the first time, since I can remember Kansas city is not number one, on the top stack tool. They are definitely not breaking the top stack tool. And well, uh, Eric, that kind of makes me just want to go to Kansas city more than I ever have all season and hope that maybe they aren't quite as bad as they've looked on offense. They can't be right. No, they're going to, they're going to start positive regression is in store for the likes of Patrick Holmes, Travis Kelsey, that connection, especially. I hope man. I do. I, the, there's some interesting spots, though, Matt. I mean, obviously, we're waiting on what happens with the update on these tools when it comes to the to the Green Bay-Kansas City game. But the one spot I'll say that I don't like, and then you guys can close this out, one you really like and one you're getting away from, is Philly. I don't agree with this total. I don't think – I think if it's going to be 50-and-a-half, I don't know how the Eagles are only two-and-a-half-point dogs. Like, they haven't proven capable of being able to compete in shootout games this season outside of Kansas City, which is a wash because their defense is inept. Like, I'm not sure why we anticipate this being such a close game under the assumption that Jalen Hurts can operate a functional offense against a D, against an offense that isn't the Detroit Lions where you can't run the ball 47 times per game. So I get it. The Chargers have a bad run defense. League worth 5.1 yards per attempt. But they also have a very good fine-tuned machine when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. I'm not seeing it here for Philly. Philly's not my favorite play either. I, I, I think part of the issue like with Philly is they're playing their best football when they don't use Jalen Hurts. So in, right. in, in things like the top stack. And Jalen Hurts is playing his best football when they're already out of the game. Exactly. So it, he's Blake Bortles, like a fancy Blake Bortles. It's a strong <laughs> parallel where they need to be down in games for him to really realize that volume. And when they're ahead of the games, you can't use the argument that he's like a focal point in the run game. The way they use the run game just changes when they're playing from ahead. And you don't need to use your quarterback to like be the engine of your offense. And you wouldn't want it either just because of injury risk. So they don't use them in the run game. They don't use them in the pass game when they're playing from ahead. Makes them really tough to get to unless they're just getting killed in games and playing from behind. One I really like, and it's kind of on the premise that Dak Prescott's going to be healthy enough to play, is Dallas. 
They have the second highest implied team total on the board this week. And we haven't talked about them a lot on this show outside of Ezekiel Elliott. But there's two very clear pass catchers and Amari Cooper is coming at a really cheap price. His ownership was middling to above average, but there's plenty of places where you can pivot. You could go to CD lamb, one of the tight ends, even an interesting stack. If you just wanted to run out like a full onslaught of Dallas with Elliott Prescott and one of those pass catchers, it's cheap enough where I think it's viable. Eric, what about you? So we keep seeing Joe Burrow get super low ownership in a lot of these spots. You would expect Cincinnati, Cleveland. This is 2005 AFC kind of a, you know, a divisional battle that you're looking at in this regard. And it's just not that at all, or like a, just a two trudgy teams from days of yore that are matching up in this spot. But it, it, that's not what this is at all. 2.1% quarterback ownership right now on uh, Joe Burrow. I think that that's too low. We've seen him have, weak winning upside constantly throughout this entire season. He's got a number of pass catching options, currently positive leverage for that stack for a top stack potential only 4.4%, but the kind of upside that he and Jamar chase have proven constantly to have uh, some sync. It's finally a week where I don't think that they're going to get as much traction as they've had before. People like to react to what happened last week. I think that this is a great spot to be investing in Joe Burrow as somebody who could be very, very sneaky. I can dig it. I think essentially at this point, the one that I feel like is necessary to talk about before we go has got to be the chargers, man. I mean, they, they do, do they really as top stack process probability, should they really be lower than the Eagles? It's a good question because I'm obsessed with the chargers every week. So you're asking the wrong guy. I personally don't think so. I'm with Eric, but this tool is very, very useful and helped me be very profitable 100%, in the past. 100%. But what I'm saying, too, is sometimes you have to look at a team and be like, hey, they have some amazing weapons <laughs> on this team. Yeah. yeah. It really, it, do you think about it? Uh, if, if, if this is coming in like Herbert being 5%, and I understand that some of these guys are expensive, but Keenan Allen's not that expensive. Herbert's not that expensive. Mm-hmm. He's Jared cheaper Cook. than... What's up? Jared Cook. Jared Cook. Yeah. Eckler, you can use him in the stacks. You can do so much with this Chargers team. I like them. I really do. I I, I like the Chargers a lot this week. The Eagles, every time they've faced a good quarterback, right? Like a good, competent offense. Shit, you can even throw the Raiders into the mix there. But like the only time they've shut down teams has been Atlanta, okay, or, or Carolina. Or, or Detroit. Look what happened when they faced Kansas City. The Kansas City Chiefs did not punt in the game. Tampa Bay annihilated them. The Raiders crushed them. You know, they, they're they not good, especially against good quarterbacks. So give me some Chargers action there, man. I think that's a good spot at low ownership, and, and I'll be all over it. You guys got anything else to say here? Oh, let's, let's finish with this, and we'll let Tyler Zander get out of here. I know he has a show coming up at 1 o'clock. Final thoughts on Jordan Love, because I saw some questions in chat about that. Where are you at on tournament stacking with Jordan Love, if given that he is as, essentially as cheap as it gets? Matt, quickly, and then Eric, you close us out. Right now, I have some interest. Unlike, I think it's parallel to like Justin Fields earlier in the year where people were playing him at a really cheap price, except this game still has a cheap total. Jordan Love's been with the offense for multiple years now. He's mobile and he has clear stacking options. He's extremely cheap. 
And we don't necessarily have the expensive plays, but like if a Christian McCaffrey plays, maybe you want just a cheap quarterback so you can go up and get Tyreek Hill McCaffrey and some of these guys. So right now I'm okay with it. We'll see how, how the week shakes out and how the status of some of these injured players look. But right now I think I'm okay with it. How about you, Eric? I'm okay with it so long as the ownership isn't out of control and I don't expect it to be. We have so many top tier end uh, quarterbacks to be paying up for Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, I, I know will get a lot of traction too. So I think he might fall by the wayside a little bit. There's enough unknowns and we want to embrace unknowns when it comes to tournaments. So I'd be in right now. All right. Appreciate you guys as always hit that thumbs up before you go follow Eric and Eric Lindquist. Follow Matt at Matt underscore Gajeski. Shout out your boy Tyler Zander for producing the show. Follow me at Lafayette underscore D and check out all the free content we've got going on. And, and don't forget, if you want to get 25% off your first week of Awesome O Plus Platinum, every single thing on the site, not just football, all the tools created by the number one ranked DFS player out there, Awesome O himself, use that promo code NFL Strategy Show, one word, all caps when you go to awesome.com. Slash join. Catch you back here for the next one. Marathon matchup show. Matt Savoka and myself tomorrow at 11 Eastern a.m. Peace.